Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Meredith. Howdy, y'all. I was not prepared for you, prepared for you to say howdy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I also started choking when it happened, so <laughs> and so <laughs> apologies all around. Uh, but, no, uh, that that's fine. I forgive you for I, what you've done to the beginning so, of the show. I am so so Yankee. I can't even <laughs> howdy, say y'all. howdy without choking. <laughs> uh, how's it going? How it is going well. Um, anything changed from the 30 seconds before when we did um, the previous episode? Uh, well, the weird noise that was happening. It's the background stopped. has stopped so yeah. we are finally free audio guys you're probably like what was that i don't know no. i was just <laughs> asking meredith i was like should i bang on the ceiling and then i was like does that do anything then i was like should i go upstairs but i don't have time i'm on a very uh tight schedule today but luckily i didn't have to do that no nope, we are we are safe and free so i have a bunch i want to talk about in this pop culture section uh, I know you also have recommendations. Do you want to give those now? Yeah, we, we can jump right in. Yeah. Um, so my sister told me about a podcast that she that has just started um, called Dr. Death. Dude. Okay. Oh, my so God. I need to start listening to it. I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to listen to it. I I have some very serious concerns. You will not be able to finish it. Just knowing how I reacted when I started listening. But well, you should I, still try. I've also had spine surgery. Oh, so yeah, girl. So the stuff that they were describing with, like, having them count down. And, like, I was like that. Like, I did that. And I just happened to be very lucky. And I had a yeah. very, very good spine you surgeon. Didn't, yeah. You didn't die or end up paralyzed. <sighs> but, like, here, like, truly had you know, um, anxiety nightmares about something like that yeah. happening. Not about the doctor, but just right. about something going wrong. Yeah, of course. Um, and to, I can't imagine, though. like you go under and then you wake yeah. up and... Well, and let's face it, in this day and age, it's realistic to have genuine serious anxiety about literally any surgery sure. that puts you under. This is not like, anything that involves anesthesia is serious yeah. enough that like, it's totally fine if you're really afraid of it, especially in like, talk to your doctors, do a lot of research, yes. like find out what kind of policies the hospital you might go to has in terms and of like, you know, what, not to, not to yeah. fear monger, obviously. Cause like Dr. Death is about, it's such an anomaly. I think that's yes. why, well, that's why they did it. Weird yeah. Sort of like carnival act attraction. Cause mm. it's like, what the fuck yeah. happened? He killed so. how many people? Well, and it's worth saying it's by the same people that did dirty John, the podcast about the con man who uh, insinuated his life into the, uh, insinuated his way into the life of a California woman and her family. And then, and became abusive and ultimately was like fucking crazy. So they're looking for very specific stories that are total outliers. Sure. Um, so the only reason why it feels less uh, crazy to me than it might is that I was tricked into watching that Netflix documentary, The Bleeding Edge. Oh, I did not see that. What is that? Uh, it's a documentary about um, faulty medical devices with yep. a focus on um, the vaginal mesh that <laughs> has turned out to be, yeah. uh, you know, horrific. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's like, just when you think it can't get, I actually don't even think I should say it because it might be too disturbing, but like, just when you think it can't get any worse, then you get to the story about how a couple was having sex and it oh my God. pierces the dude's penis. What the fuck? Oh uh -huh. my God. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't know that could happen. Well, neither did they. So those two things in concert and then knowing what the administration is doing in terms of like deregulating the FDA, mm. drug approvals, different devices, yeah, like handouts, like there's, faster and faster, yeah. there's definitely oh, the way the healthcare system works mm -hmm. in terms of shoving you towards people who are more cost effective than they are necessarily talented. Mm -hmm. um, I... It totally, I'm just like, yep, that is happening. But yeah, Dr. Death is intense in a way that I was, <laughs> like, I listen to a lot of murder podcasts, and this is still it's just, so it's much different. worse. Yeah, I, the only reason I uh, heard a preview for it is I listened to another podcast called Real Crime Profile, uh -huh. and they played a trailer for it. And they yeah. play, like, the intro to episode one, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. But, I mean, it sounds, like, really well done. I, w I, I just think because it's so well done, it's very effective. And yes. I'm like, I don't know if I can listen. 
listen to this? <laughs> yeah. I'd say like extreme, extreme content warning because yes. it is just terrifying. But um, the other thing it really made me wonder, and it, my sister mentioned this to me as we were discussing it, is why is it that there isn't mandatory drug testing for doctors before surgeries? I like, mean, that to me, that and pilots. The yeah. fact that pilots can fly drunk, I'm just like, what? And, I, and I'm just happening? like, I understand that there's, it's like, I understand there's some, there's probably, maybe there's Fourth Amendment concerns, but if you're a mm-hmm. private company and you can force people to take drug tests to work at a goddamn Walgreens, I don't understand why a company wouldn't say that, like, you, you know, we reserve the right to make you blow before you get on like the road well, you know my like too is like what about the rights of the passengers and the patient like don't i have rights not to get on a plane if you're hammered it's a suit like there's it's got to be some there's i'm sure there's like really complicated things but given the way that companies insurance companies and hospitals treat medical malpractice insurance and medical malpractice lawsuits there, like, why has this not become a thing? Yeah, I mean, if Elon Musk can force his employees to get drug tested and then go on fucking Joe Rogan's podcast and smoke a joint, yeah, it's like, oh, n- fuck you, dude. Did you hear that? Like, now there's a Republican congressman trying to open up an investigation into all of their government contracts because <laughs> the law says that if you have, if you hold government contracts in a company, you can't use marijuana. What? <laughs> Is that true? I mean, you're not supposed to get caught at least. I mean, that is very stupid, but I'm sort of like, whatever inconveniences Elon Musk at this point, I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, that (laughs) that might have actually been a thing for good news later. But hey, whatever. I think I was going to make fun of him eventually. I think I was going to make fun of him in the pop culture section. But yeah, that that was so dumb. I like, you have to be a special kind of nerd to make like pot smoking look uncool yeah <laughs> i was like man i don't know if i want to smoke pot anymore look at this fucking loser yeah it felt like when you know when the dweeb smokes weed in the breakfast club <laughs> yes and then he does that really racist like black blues man impression oh, i think i have totally blocked out racist <laughs> moments like i rewatched lady in the tramp and i was like what the fuck oh yeah <laughs> this that movie is, is racist i yeah. just think i don't remember those moments i mean that's good but yes that is the last time i've saw anyone look so uncool smoking yeah. weed well since we're in the i mean did you have any, any other recommendations i don't want to move past not really. Actually, no. This is a general recommendation because I watched a movie by this French director, Agnès Varna, who uh, is now 90 years old and just got a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Academy. Um, but she's been making movies since the 1950s. And I watched one last night from 1969 that starred uh, Andy Warhol, Muse, Viva, and two of the original creators of the musical Hair, uh, where they're in a triad relationship and a... like. Indi- like indie director comes in from New York to make a film about their lives and it gets super super surreal and weird and it it's so good but mostly it just made me really remember how much I love Viva who's mm. just one of the greater members of the factory and I think like I highly encourage anyone who's not familiar with her sort of modeling and acting and general scenesterness um also she's uh Gabby Hoffman's mom okay yeah so not only did she make a lot of great art she uh she gave us uh an iconic actress uh of the of our childhood hell yeah uh any other no that's that's really the the thing so what i wanted to get to was this ridiculous moment with serena williams oh god i'm still so pissed about this i was like triggered watching the interaction Like, because I think a lot of women, obviously a lot of uh, women of color were saying like, "Mm, like, this is a conversation I've been in a lot (laughs) or like had directed at me. So in case you didn't see it, uh, the U.S. Open final happened. Um, Japan's Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams on Saturday in a Grand Slam showdown. And what sucks about it is Naomi uh, Osaka played brilliantly. Yeah. Is so talented. It should have been this like great moment for her. But like she even said, like she felt like she couldn't enjoy it. It sucked to like watch her have to apologize for well, like, winning. Somehow, like she didn't win fairly and it had yes. nothing to do with how she played. Yeah. And that 
has got to be an incredible mind fuck for a 20 year old. Like I can't imagine. And Serena Williams was great about it. Like she was very, um, you know, gave credit to Naomi Osaka, said she played mm-hmm. brilliantly. And like, it's, it, and she's also like, she's Haitian Japanese. So she's yes. half Haitian, half Japanese. So we're talking about two brown women on yeah. the court facing off against each other. It should have been other. this like, amazing like, yeah. moment. And it ended up being all about this fucking ref who, uh, I like if you don't watch tennis, I could understand watching it and thinking, yeah, but like she she kept talking back and, you know, she got aggressive. So why is it a big deal that she had points taken from her? If you're not a regular viewer of tennis, if you are a regular viewer of tennis, men do this shit all the time. Constantly. Worse. Like, uh, you know, some of them pick up chairs and throw them like it's a very emotional level of competition. And when they feel like they are being wrong by the ref, sometimes they blow up, you know? Oh yeah. I mean like vitriol, like vi- like horrible. And usually the response is you get a warning and then you kind of go back to it. Mm-hmm. But this guy just jumps straight to how dare you question me at all. I am going to punish you. And then as soon as she said, wait, that's not fair. He was like, oh, you think that wasn't fair? Here's I'm going to make it even worse. Yeah. Like he obviously had a problem with her. It was really amazing to see. Like clearly the problem was that people were uncomfortable with Serena being aggressive. Right. And which is something people have always always been uncomfortable with. with. Yeah. Uh, and at one point she said, uh, you owe me an apology to the ref, which I love. And I want like on a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, but she called him a thief and people were like, that was too far. And I'm like, man, if you think that's too far. Yeah. Like there also is footage fucking, yeah. of male tennis players just like, like expletive after expletive, you know, like really unloading on refs. And usually, yeah, the ref will just be like, take a second. Yeah. Calm down. Uh, the, the there was a separate issue too that, uh, Serena's coach, was coaching her during mm-hmm. the match. That is very common. Yeah. But I like this ref just clearly had it out for certain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I think when she talked back to him, he was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. You know, like could not have a woman of color berating. Absolutely him not. Although, you know what you should like not do to the greatest athlete of all time? Accuse her of cheating. Dude, <laughs> like. Yeah, truly the greatest athlete of all time. She does not need to fucking cheat. I think her record proves she doesn't need to cheat. This isn't some, like, this is, yeah. I mean, this is just, like, the man clearly decided he just couldn't stand the idea of this uppity black woman Mm -hmm. getting adulation, and he had to find some way to mess with her. And so, of course, like, when that was, the cheating allegation was essentially that, like, she was getting special signs from her coach in the stands, and so then he said oh you're not supposed to do that and then that's she talked back and it escalated from there right right. this isn't yeah and it sucks because again it should this moment should be about naomi and serena and now it's about this fucking ref Mm -hmm. yeah who basically decided the game on his own yeah and robbed both of them because like naomi can't enjoy the victory because her victory will always have an asterisk next to it Mm -hmm. and serena obviously can't enjoy it because she was robbed of the game and got really emotional during it because like she wasn't just dealing with a loss it was like oh here we fucking go again yeah i'm being punished because i'm quote unquote too aggressive yeah too aggressive and let's face it too good they don't want to have to deal like they still want to have the same rules and this is the same goddamn tournament where they told her that she had they tried to police her clothing Mm -hmm. told her they were going to police her clothing because they didn't like the aesthetics of it well, um, she said that yeah. she said that during the presser where she's like, there was another female tennis player who was uh, penalized because she took off her top. Yeah. She's like, men do that all the time in this game. So she like brought that up, which of course she did because she's fucking amazing. But like she made the point bigger than herself. Yeah. Where she's like, yes, this happened to me, mm-hmm. but this is a very sexist uh, sport and yeah. the women are treated differently than mm-hmm. the men. That's just a fact. Right. That's well, not her being hysterical or anything like that. Like that is just a established fact. Well, she's doing the same thing that she did when she started arguing for equal pay for women on the tour and mm-hmm. saying that it was unfair. And it wasn't because she felt she needed the extra money is because she recognized that there was such an unbelievable imbalance there that regardless of how she was doing, other women needed like deserved to benefit from greater parity there. And she refused to like leave that focus 
on herself mm-hmm. when that conversation was happening. And I thought, right. you know, this is like clearly something that she's done before and she's comfortable. And it's so awesome to see when people get so pissed about female anger that as soon as she calms down after these moments, the first thing she does is think to the other women that have been affected by bullshit like this it's, and then speak to that because that's the like, that is such she's leadership. Leader. Yeah, she's, and, and then like, yeah. that's always what, like, you know, same with like LeBron, right? That's what really distinguishes great athletes from like the greatest athletes. Like the greatest athletes aren't just the top of their sports, they're leaders. Right. So like LeBron is doing amazing things for his community um, and like poor people in general. And Serena, same deal. Like she made that moment bigger than herself. She was very, very kind and generous to Naomi because she didn't want her to be hurt in all of this. She's a leader, yeah. you know? Um, I'm, she knows exactly, like she ultimately knows exactly what she's doing when it comes to to taking on you at like taking on tennis in the way that she is because clearly she's dealt with this enough to know that they're going to come at her no matter how deferential she is Mm -hmm. for the rest of her career. And if she knows that that's the case, then like she's going to take the heat on these things and be the person that points the stuff out and takes the consequences so that people like Naomi Osaka don't have to, because these people, like a lot of women have, their whole career is ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And maybe she will be able to fight for reforms so that people like judges or umpires and referees can't be nearly as subjective in mm-hmm. some of these ways. Or women aren't going to be penalized for what they wear or how they express themselves even on the that, court. Like costume or what, it's not a costume. Uh, even if that uniform like was to save her life, basically, because yeah. she had blood clots after giving birth. Um so Billie Jean King, who's also a tennis legend, equal rights advocate, uh, tweeted after all of this nonsense and said, when a woman is emotional, she's hysterical and she's penalized for it. When a man does the same thing, he's outspoken and there are no repercussions. Thank you, Serena Williams, for calling out this double standard. More voices are needed to do the same. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I will say this is a, this is a sideways leap to... Um, pop like a different kind of pop culture but there's a give a perfect segue to what i wanted to talk about probably not but this is uh it's close um the it remind (laughs) this whole thing especially with the clothes and some of the policing of the attitude Uh reminds me of uh the movie stick it which (laughs) is basically (laughs) bring it on but for gymnastics (laughs) okay uh, I didn't know this existed. Oh yes, it is. Uh, it's got the same sort of vibe to it, and the uh, you know, there's all of these gymnastics competitors, and one of them has a bad attitude, kind of like a gymnastics Tanya Harding type. Oh boy! And so the judges start penalizing her because they think they don't like her style or the way that she functions. Too trashy. So eventually, spoiler alert, but this movie is like 15 years old. <laughs> uh, the uh, all of the other competitors in this tournament realize that. All of the standards are sexist and bullshit. So they start doing stuff that they know is going to get them docked points <laughs> before going about like competing and then like forcing the judges to still make this girl like however you know make this the things making things fair by docking points based on like their bullshit rules rather than like letting somebody win because they're uh, playing along. Oh, yeah. And it's really a wonderful moment of um, like girl solidarity to oh, watch yeah. the these people decide that like we can compete against each other and fight the system. Hell yeah, you can. I love it. Oh Uh, yeah. This is a complete left turn from where I went. So, (laughs) well, but speaking of sexist nonsense, so this is a really sad story. Uh, Mac Miller, who was a 26 year old rapper died recently of a suspected drug overdose. So that should have been like the story, Mm -hmm. right? You know, very sad. This man was clearly been struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, talented guy, all that stuff. A lot of people loved him and his music. That's the story. Almost immediately, the media drags Ariana Grande into it. Yeah. Because they dated at one time. Yeah. They broke up in May and she made a couple of comments, sort of oblique comments about how you can love someone, but when they're struggling, there's a certain point where it's not healthy for you to stand by because... You're enabling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she clearly, like, and then just moved on with her life. And, and, you know, as exactly happens around the world, 
in so many different ways yes. with so many different kinds of relationships. And I forget who pointed this out. So Demi Lovato, yep. you know, tragically, uh, almost yeah, barely almost survived died. an overdose. Yeah. yeah, and but the the blame for that was placed, if you want to call it blame, responsibility for it was placed on her. Yeah, because she didn't want to listen to the people around her yeah. who were telling her to get help. Which, like, you know, I'm sure Demi Lovato would agree with, where she would be like, "The buck stopped with me." Not that she's not like genuinely sick and needs treatment. Like, it's not a blamey thing. It's just. Once you get into yes. treatment, this is like you sort of deal with all of those things. And that's part of But in this case, it was very heavily suggested that Ariana Grande was to blame for Mac Miller dying. Yes, because by leaving him, his drug use got so much worse. And ultimately, he just couldn't, you know, he, he finally, you know, killed him. Like finally ended up dying because yeah. he, he was in, you know. But that yeah, they were just attributing his addiction to her despite the fact that no one is responsible for another person's. Yes. And a, I don't a, think you like, necessarily have to come out and say like Ariana Grande killed Mac Miller. I think by just by associating her with him it as like Ariana Grande's ex-boyfriend uh died of an overdose. Like even mentioning her it's sort of tacitly blaming her. Right. It's like tying her in in any way is only going to make the pain of losing someone she clearly loved deeply. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't just leave someone who's going through an, the throes of addiction. You, you don't do that because you hate them. Right. Like some of like those decisions can if be made. If she didn't care about him, she like, would have been like, keep doing drugs, homie. Yeah, I don't care. Or whatever. You know, like, like I'm just going to be Ariana Grande because my life's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You leave because you're like, I don't want to yeah. watch you kill yourself. Yeah. You and know? I mean, yeah, it also like it's disrespectful to her and it suggests that like people that women especially are responsible for finding a way to solve the problems of their romantic partners yeah, we're that just other people fix, aren't. Yeah. yeah, fix broken oh. men. That's, and, yeah. that's what we do. And I, I I wish I could remember where I saw this study, but it it's and it's about other kinds of illnesses, but it fits perfectly here. Uh, so it turns out that um, studies have found that when uh, it married couples like have one person, one cup one member gets sick, mm -hmm. uh, husbands are far more likely to leave their wives when they get sick. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And women are far more likely to decide to stay. Mm. So you, like, we have already created the cultural, like, norm that women are responsible for nursing their husbands yes. or partners through any sort of illness, whether it's a cancer or addiction. But it is fine to leave a female partner if she's struggling with one of these similar issues because it's too much or she's too needy or she's yes. crazy and it's so much drama, right, right. et cetera. Yeah. If a woman leaves, she's selfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. guys. I mean, this is a good segue. It's that time of the episode. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. Mm -hmm. So, like, Penny anticipated this. She started making very concerned little meowing noises. Like, hmm, I don't know about this. Uh, so the Trump administration wants the ability to hold migrant kids indefinitely. Ooh, we're going to fuck up the Flores settlement. Yes. So this upends a decades-old ban. Uh, since 1997, authorities have been barred from holding migrant kids more than 20 days. But this new rule would change that. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, obviously, we're monsters. Yeah. Now, you know, this is one of those. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, and the Flores settlement is so, so important and so, like, has been critical to protecting children's health and rights and general, like, even remote well-being. So to suddenly say we're going to now like, yeah, it's like, what's up? We're just going to like make things simpler by making sure the baby jails are all baby jails. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish the media would just start calling them baby jails because that's truly what they are. Seriously. Um, so uh, DHS Secretary uh, Kirsten uh, Nielsen 
said in a statement that the rulemaking is necessary to enforce immigration laws. Quote, today, legal loopholes significantly hinder the department's ability to appropriately detain and promptly remove family units Family units. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> yes, enforce immigration laws. Other is code for just send them back without due process or any sort of respect to the system that's supposed to allow them asylum. Um, I just also love the euphemism of family units that have no legal basis to remain in the country. This rule addresses one of the primary pull factors for illegal immigration and allows the federal uh, government to enforce immigration laws as passed by Congress. Oh, that's a lot of government speak for we're uh, locking up babies. <laughs> yeah. And like and we want to lock them up because it'll keep it'll make it easier for us to not lose the children mm-hmm. once we send their parents back. Right. Uh, also in bad news, um, IBM is using NYPD surveillance footage to develop technology that lets police search by skin color. Well, <laughs> I holy mean, fucking shit. Do we even, is there even anything to say about how blatantly this is terrifying? Yeah, and also, not that anyone should have the power to search for people by skin color, but especially not the police. No. <laughs> like, have we not established they have a problem with racial profiling and like killing unarmed people of color? And now you want to give them the ability to search by skin color? Also, I just want to say, like, we it took us until Rihanna to get a wide and relatively close to comprehensive range of foundations for women in skincare. I and now had we're gonna no look idea to why you were bringing tech. up Rihanna. <laughs> I was no, like, how's no, no. Rihanna involved He's in like, all of this? Yes, we have it took us this long to have for someone to put the effort into figuring out mm-hmm. skin tones yes. and skin color. Uh, in you know, in any sort of way that Thank you, Fenty. but <laughs> we're gonna leave it to tech and the NYPD to figure out how to gauge what someone's skin color is as they're searching. Like all you have to do is say, oh, they had like light brown skin. Mm. Think about the range that that would encompass and how many people could be pulled up. You know, it just means well, that you yeah, know, that, that's what's so weird. Like. I sort of get facial recognition software because that is, I mean, that has gotten so scary good on Facebook. Like I posted a photo of uh, like a group photo Mm -hmm. and one of my friends was basically like almost turned entirely away from the camera and basically like a fourth of his face was showing and facial recognition still knew it was him. Which is like, that's frightening. Yeah. And that's Facebook. But also, let's... That kind of makes sense to me because it's like your face has a unique set of features that are yours and like... But also we've determined that it works really badly for people of color. That's why facial recognition on iPhones will just pick two random Asian ladies and have them like assume it's the same person. So I guess like it's one thing to think about those. I just like knowing that no technology that uses facial recognition seems to have any use when it comes to actually working, identifying people who aren't white that like, there's so many ways, reasons to be worried about it. Yeah, and I mean, to me, it seems like you. I already made this point, but it, like, skin color seems like an even worse, yes, idea because it's like I have to believe like skin color isn't like fingerprints. No, you know, like the chances of you having the same skin color as like a million other people seems yeah. like. Uh, pretty good i mean the chances that your skin tone could be different on a day-to-day basis depending on how much sun you got whether you were dehydrated Mm -hmm. also like computers are like are they using like your basic cmyk indicators i'm Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out how the fuck you even determine what counts as light brown at least IBM in a way has, that works. you know, a sterling history of always being very ethical. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. And mm-hmm. totally not helping Nazis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, so also, I want to talk about, guys, you'll be shocked to hear that a Daily Caller editor at one time wrote for an alt-right website using a pseudonym. Uh-oh. Uh, Scott Greer, an editor and columnist at The Caller, also write as, wrote as uh, Michael McGregor for Radix Journal 
the publication associated with the quote-unquote alt-right figure, Richard Spencer. Ooh, Nazi punching. Ooh. I just love that the day... I mean, first of all, the Daily Caller is an alt-right website. Yep. (laughs) But, like, the fact that they sort of have this inclination where, like, they still try to, like, maintain a buffer between them and, like, the true true hardcore alt-right websites... Nazi websites where they're like, well, we're not like them. We're not you know? those kinds of Nazis. Because they need that veneer of respectability. Yeah. You know, they need to be able to say, but we're a news organization, even though it's like, you're not. You're, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like a Nazi website that's dressed up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And yes, it's like you guys, you you really, you're using all the dog whistles. Like you just don't even pretend. Yeah. So uh, Greer did step down as editor at the Daily Caller in June, but that was to write a book. Lucky oh, us. Oh, what's she doing? She was, she's sorry, she scratched my hand. Guys, the dog was very demanding and she <laughs> dug her little claws into me. Oh. Uh, so he said he would drop his contributor status last week after the Atlantic confronted him with leaked chat logs that showed he had spent some of his time at the website, also known as Michael McGregor. Um... And, of course, The Atlantic last week was the first to report ties between a former Department of Homeland Security official, Ian Smith, and a group of known white nationalists, including Spencer. Um, Greer's role at Radix offers yet another glimpse into how members of an underground white nationalist scene, emboldened by the rise of Trump during the 2016 election, were able to operate relatively undetected in conservative institutions. Here's my problem with that statement, The Atlantic. Uh, were they relatively undetected? I don't think that they were all that so. undetected. I, I don't feel think like these were undercover white supremacists. No, they were undercovered. Yes. And uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> feigned surprise when it happened. They were like, get out of there. Nazi Steve's a Nazi? Mm. You know, like, I think they knew. Um, but I think maybe it's a good sign that they are forced to have to, like, they have to condemn each other. Right. <laughs> when it becomes super public and they're like, oh, I am shocked and appalled that Nazi Steve is a Nazi. Oh my God. This guy's a Nazi too? I just had no idea. <laughs> we were talking about the regular, regular inferiority of poor people yes. who aren't, who don't look like me. It didn't have anything to do with calibers or yeah. how much Jew blood you have. Right. It's all the regular natural stuff. We did make fun of the Jews a lot. We yeah, did. we did. There were yeah. a oh, lot right. of you, Jewish you know, jokes. that was, oh, that, that, yes. We did have that Judenfrei thing. Like, that was kind of maybe in you retrospect know, now a that little. we're talking about it and memories are coming back, he did wear a swastika. Oh, yeah. And was thrown up the Nazi salute a lot. But I was never comfortable with it. Ever. And I said, Nazi Steve, please don't do that at our cocktail mm. parties. I was so uncomfortable with it. But when I had to write a column for a different <laughs> outlet that was pretty pro-Nazi, mm-hmm. I couldn't use my name. I, it was really hard for me. Yeah. So thank you. I hope you feel very bad for me. And I am accepting monetary gifts. If you were curious to yeah. aid in my recovery. Yeah, please find me at racistpatreon.com. <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I do not believe that they were operating undetected in conservative institutions. Or maybe if they tr- truly were operating undetected, it's because these institutions are fucking racists. <laughs> and everybody in them are racists. So they were just like, oh, I didn't know that you were that brand of Nazi. I'm yeah. this brand of Nazi. Yeah, you know? I mean, maybe it's just that they were like, man, we were working together so well on these <laughs> things. I just didn't stop to think about if you had like a real Hitler fetish. We had like a nice flow going. Um, yeah, so I just realized and this is, I guess, good, not like a good sign, but I bet by the time you guys hear this, there will be tons of new bad news. That's all I had for bad news tonight. Oh, well, yeah. do you I, have something? <laughs> I can I can drop in because yeah, it's definitely it. going to be uh, the the thing. Yeah. Um, this weekend, Ronan Farrow dropped another nice. New Yorker piece about former CBS, now former CBS executive Les Moonbees, uh, in which six women accused him of uh, oral rape and then there were several other instances of sexual harassment exposing himself 
destroying their careers when they rebuffed him and uh, other other things. Apparently, up until now, the negotiations had been ongoing in terms of his exit package, which la- as of last week was hovering somewhere around $100 million. In stock, yeah. Uh, and apparently the deal is done and it's going to be announced tomorrow. The details have are de- announced Monday, so it'll be public by Tuesday. But it uh, chances are he's going to get a decent... <laughs> he's going to get a... a well more than he deserves given that he's a fucking rapist oh yeah i mean uh he should go directly to jail and yeah. lose all of his money <laughs> right and you know what makes this even scarier and more upsetting is that in addition to the moonvies uh harassment and assault charges there's also information about uh one of the people that runs 60 minutes uh who was suspended and is now back Mm -hmm. so cbs employees who still have connection to cbs and 60 minutes are potentially in danger for retaliation because they spoke out and uh he was part of not just project like protecting movies but also like being a shitbag um, yeah, and I mean, this follows another story about, like, executives at NBC trying to get Ronan Farrow, like, fired. Yep, because they... I mean, the fact that Ronan Farrow still has a job and is still publishing these huge pieces is, like, pretty miraculous. Well, I mean, this is what happens when you do some incredible fucking reporting and you are a person who's... I mean, this is... He's using his pedigree for good. Like, the guy's got... Like, he's got a famous last name, which gives him access to a lot of, like, people in in this industry. Mm -hmm. And he's proven that he can tell stories like this with compassion and like actually get results and beyond like exposing it and i'm kind of like i listen i know he was born into privilege he is you know a white man all that stuff but i you'd have to be fairly fucking fearless to go after these oh yeah i mean really high-ranking executives and he's he's talked in interviews about how when he was dealing with nbc and the original weinstein stories that he thought that they were gonna tank his they were gonna find a way to tank his career and he was never gonna be able to work again and i think that's real like just because he had that privilege like he's been dealing with people that are this powerful Mm -hmm. and there's just been like these people are just so bad and have been so arrogant for so long yep. that they never thought this that the people that they had victimized would come together. It's the Vatican. And, yeah, and he has <laughs> proven that he has been like he's one of the people that's proven that like he can tell these stories and make it safe for women to speak yeah. out in a way that they weren't comfortable with before and I, I think mean, that's wonderful. Like go with me on this. Sure. It, it truly is like there will be blood had it right. There are two mm-hmm. gods in America, right? <laughs> There's okay. the God, God, of the Catholic Church or like, you know, whatever, Christian God. Uh, and then there is capitalism, God. Mm-hmm. And if you were the head of either of those two things for a very long time, since the beginning of time, you thought you were untouchable. So if you are a high, high-ranking executive of CBS, you think you can commit a bunch of crimes and get away with it, you're the head of the Vatican, you're you're a cardinal or whatever, you think you can rape a bunch of kids and not mm-hmm. get caught. Or you're just going to shift some people around, some rapists around, to because like nobody's going to notice. Yeah. And like It's what happens when men are given unchecked power. Yes. Like, of course, of course they go on a fucking rampage. Absolutely. Because they're basically told that, you know, their shit doesn't stink, they, they can do no wrong. Um, All of their shitty behavior is just being an iconoclast with, uh, you know, a bold vision and who's and being uncompromising instead of being an asshole who takes pleasure in belittling employees, male Mm -hmm. or female. Like Mm -hmm. this is yeah, we've we've created a system where the people that succeed have the qualities of a shitty man. And those men have decided that they're going to use their power that way. And it's time yeah. for it to stop and thank God this is happening. Um, again, also, like, if you do decide to read the New Yorker story, be careful. It is really Super harrowing. Um, I just, like, I read a few excerpts and they were, like, they they really, really got to me. Yeah. And I, like, I get that that level of detail is necessary because I, I feel like the other problem is if you don't say exactly what mm-hmm. happened then it's sort of like whitewashing it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you really like, just because I personally, as someone who's like survived 
assault, mm -hmm. harassment, many kinds. Mm -hmm. uh, like I personally don't ever need to read the sentence and then he took out his penis ever again. Sure. But I recognize that up until that point, it seems that there are always men who believe that there is not, you haven't done anything explicitly right. wrong because if you're just you giving take your them penis attention. Out, <laughs> you did, you know? Well, you did take his so, penis out. And, and even then you had people who were defending Louis C.K. say it was yes. like, well, he took his penis out, but like you could have run. It was a bit. He exposed himself and like violently masturbated in front of you because it was a bit, you know. <sighs> I'm Comedy. violently masturbating right now, but with rage. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all jump up and down. Right, Penny? Here's your good news. Nothing? Good news. Oh, you <laughs> suck, Penny. <laughs> So, I don't know. This just made me laugh. Uh, Carl Bernstein uh, recently called for congressional hearings to determine Trump's fitness to serve as president. I mean, it's a question we've all asked. Yeah. I mean, so obviously Bernstein was on TV to talk about Bob Woodward's new book. And the, I just like a litany of troubling uh, anecdotal evidence about how he is not fit to hold yeah. off. <laughs> we have just seen it over and over and over and over and over again. Just shouting for leaders of countries to be assassinated, proposing f like first strike military um, tactics against North Korea, like to the point where, and again, we've talked about how if you serve in this administration, you're a collaborator no matter what, but how his behavior is so troubling that people who work around him are literally like stealing documents off of his desk because if he doesn't have something directly in front of his face, he forgets about it. He just can't, yeah. So like he had a very troubling um, strategy for I think trade with South Korea that economists knew would be disastrous. And he's still... Ugh. So they just stole the papers off of his desk and he forgot about it. Yeah. He forgot about his trade. Because proposal. he can't remember anything if it's not on the news. Like, that's why he what, that's why his tweets follow yes. whatever is happening on Fox. So I'm calling this good news because there seems to be a growing uh, momentum when it comes to seriously talking about how he is not fit to hold office. Yeah. And I feel like we've had that conversation since day one. But I feel like the tone has definitely changed lately. And now people actually sound, like, afraid, you know? Yeah, well, we've gone from... Things being, you know, we've gone from, oh, this guy is like a, a clown and yeah, he's racist and he's got, you know, calls to violence to now he's behaving in ways that genuinely are unfit. I mean, he's not focusing on anything that is related whatsoever to the governance of the country. And he's starting, he's starting witch hunts to discover who's silent, like secretly, you know, who wrote the uh, anonymous op-ed. Mm -hmm. He, you know, is threatening all kinds of people. Uh, it's just... It's just not okay. So yes, maybe we'll be lucky and something will something will start moving down the pipeline. Yes. So also in good news, a federal judge struck down Texas's ridiculous uh, fetal burial law. Uh, in case you guys forgot about that, um, U.S. District Judge David Allen Ezra ruled on Wednesday that the law passed by the Texas legislature in 2017 violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and would have placed a substantial obstacle between a person and basic medical care. Uh, because, by the way, uh, the person getting the abortion would have to pay for the fetal oh, burial. Oh, right. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the Dallas Morning News reports that Ezra argued the law would disproportionately affect people who have miscarriages, <laughs> okay, no. uh, who he said outnumber those seeking abortions. I mean, which is true. And if you got to make the, the argument. I'm like, but as like, long as it's gone, good riddance. But also how fucking sad that that's how, you know, he had a base, the argument. Yeah, that it has to be that people have, mis have miscarriages rather than abortions instead of it's going to disproportionately affect poor women and women of color. Yeah. And it's like... It's it should be illegal because it's affecting people who get abortions. Right. Um, but listen, if you got to dress it up in miscarriages, I wish I hadn't phrased it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, fine. It's gone. So I support it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Harley's falling asleep 
on your lap. Oh, well, There's she been put like a series of weird noises today. I can't remember the last time a plane flew over this hmm. over us. Um, so, oh, also this past weekend, hundreds of thousands of people um, participated in global climate marches. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. I just, I just keep forgetting that we are on a dying planet. We are. Yeah, and that, listen, it's probably too late to reverse the uh, effects of climate change, but we can still mitigate some of the worst. We can, and we should, because that is ethical. It's ethical. Expropriate all of the oil companies. Yeah, uh, store in the Bastille. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, should I just start my own ASMR podcast where all I do is just start... Honestly, start whispering revolutionary slogans. Honestly, that is the only <laughs> ASMR channel I would listen to. That actually sounds very soothing. <laughs> Expropriate the oil companies. <laughs> Return the jewels to the ground. <laughs> I like it. Nationalize Amtrak. <laughs> that could actually make you blow up. <laughs> I think a lot of you would listen to that. Oh, well, I, now I have my new idea. A, a revolutionary ASMR. <laughs> uh, so people in more than 90 countries turned out to the demonstrations, and they were protesting the failure of politicians to tackle the global environmental crisis. Fair. That's a fair estimate. Uh, there were more than 800 events from marches to street theater, acts of civil disobedience to mini festivals, and they took place in towns and cities all over the world. Which just makes me happy because, yeah. and good for the organizations that have been doing these events and keep putting on these events because environmental stuff doesn't get the coverage it should. And no. we've talked about this before, but it's still so important. Like any excuse to get someone to pay attention is a good excuse. And it means there's a chance to bring a little bit more information. Yes. Uh, This next story is a big fucking deal. On Thursday, uh, India's Supreme Court struck down the dehumanizing colonial era law uh, that outlawed uh, gay sex. Yeah, which is fucking incredible uh, as a wonderful, uh, it's like a wonderful development. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously there'll be a lot of, there's a long way to go because it was a colonial era law so it was very much on the british control side versus the like cultural uh norms Mm -hmm. that might still exist but at the very least now the state doesn't have the right to fuck with you over it right oh colonialism nothing good came out of you (laughs) i was like of course it was a colonial era law Mm. not that you know like homophobia doesn't exist in every culture uh Mm. for the most part in yeah, the world. It's just nice when you know that like you're constitutionally protected against a jail sentence in addition to being beaten up by people in your city. Yes. Um, or that you might have some rights to go after people who beat you up because they think you're gay. So right. These right. are all important things. It's a step in the right direction. It was really moving to see, um, you know, Indian and Indian American people tweeting about like what a big deal this is and mm-hmm. h- how meaningful it is for them in their own lives yeah. so it's fucking awesome so it's also just a really it's always a wonderful thing to watch countries that western nations like the u.s and britain treated like uh savage backwaters for the entire time they had control of them get shown up as like for being so reactionary and so terrified because mm-hmm. these countries that are the future of the world because of like population growth and technology growth and education are making these leaps and bounds at a time when we're like hiding in the shadows because we're too afraid of all of these things. So yeah. I just think it's great to remember that it's just a wonderful sign. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, and all credit, obviously, to the LGBTQ activists who made it happen. Oh, yeah. Because none of this ever happens without enormous pressure and organization and activism from communities who were being uh, victimized. Mm-hmm. So good on you. This next story, I feel like I have to provide an update because we talked about this story. I think, I mean, obviously, it was in the bad news section. Um But Burberry, the British luxury fashion house, um, we covered like two months ago, 
purposefully destroyed $36.8 million of unsold clothing, cosmetics, and perfume in 2017. Um, so in the last five years alone, that means they burnt $135 million in merch. Um, and they do this, obviously, so like pores don't get it. Right. <laughs> There's, like, no other reason to do it. And, mm -hmm. like, they have a lot of corporate speak for why they do it because they're like, oh, it's defunct brands. And it's, like, like, it's defunct brands. It's stuff, like, this is all part of, like, retaining, like, brand purity. Yes. So, and, they like, They don't want to see means, it in a thrift store. They right. They don't want to see it. it. Yeah. The only reason why it continues to be as valuable is because you would never, yeah, you would only see it in a certain type of vintage store and it would be very clear that you were buying a specific yes. type of thing and it would be under these circumstances so it remains rare and it remains exclusive which is capitalism it's it's them uh controlling supply and demand yeah it's throwing out the f it's throwing out the food instead of donating it yes so in a new interview ceo marco uh, gabetti told business of fashion that burberry will stop destroying its own stuff and will instead ban the use of animal fur <laughs> from their product in an effort to make the business more sustainable. <laughs> so that this is, is them. I don't understand. Like this is purely, there was so a they, huge blowback to this story that they were burning their shit. So I think now they're trying to look like the good guys and they're like, we're not going to burn our stuff anymore. Also, no more use of animal fur. Did they so say what welcome. they're going to do with the stuff they're not throwing out? They're not burning. <laughs> I don't think so. It's not like they're donating it to charity or anything. Um, Okay, he goes on to say Burberry still has to destroy all their beauty inventory because, quote, as you know, beauty products expire, and uh, when they expire, there's no legal way to recycle them. You are obliged to destroy them because they are hazardous. Yeah, and I would say unless they're expired, fuck that, you can definitely... I mean, oh. I know perfectly well that, and granted, this is why they do it, but I buy a shitload of beauty products of TJ Maxx and... Yeah. So, I mean, this Jezebel article makes the point that women shelters everywhere would accept cosmetic donations. Yes. So that's bullshit. Um, and I don't think he talks about what's going to happen. He just says, uh, we are now in a position to stop destroying finished products, which we think, frankly, is just not modern. We think that modern luxury that doesn't take into account the social and environmental responsibility really has no meaning. But... Like, so what's happening to the shit, dude? Mm-hmm. We'll find it. He tried to just frame it as like, oh, you guys were mad because the maybe that would be poisoning the environment. I'm going to say the carbon emissions aren't the problem. <laughs> yeah. There are other ways to, like, deal with this. And granted, I'm sure it's going to end up being cheaper for them to just throw something in a, like, throw them into a moth-filled uh, warehouse somewhere and mm. wait for them to just eat away at everything yeah he said this very vague thing he said uh within what is labeled as destruction quote unquote there is already a significant part that is recycled or used or donated that was the first step but like what does that mean like where is it donated yeah how is it donated <laughs> how much of it is donated yeah this is these aren't trade secrets yeah like, this is actually like stuff that you should be working right on. you should know where 135 million dollars worth of merch goes yeah uh, but the reason i'm putting it in good news is like whenever a major company like this is forced to reckon with their behavior mm -hmm. i think it's a good sign because a they're they're scared of the bad press because yeah. they're like wow we look like monsters because we're monsters yeah um and then B, like, they're forced to modify modify their behavior, even if it's slightly. Only a little bit is fine. That's fine. I'll take it. Victory. So, also, uh, speaking of the little animals, California became the first state to pass a bill that'll ban the sale of cosmetics tested on animals. Oh, my God. It only took 25 years we since I remember it first happening. Did. Uh, I feel like California's had a bunch of, like, firsts lately with very progressive um, legislation passing. But, uh, yeah, the California Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Act passed unanimously and is the first instance of a state passing such a ban. Um, Democratic California State Senator Kathleen uh, Galgiani 
introduced the bill back in February, writing in a statement at the time that inaction at the federal level compels California to lead the way in ensuring a cruelty-free cosmetics market for its citizens by barring any new ingredients or cosmetics that are tested on animals. I feel like that sums up so much of what's happening right now, the, the first part of that. Inaction at the federal level compels California to lead the way. That is literally <laughs> the story of everything happening in the world. Right <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? Um, but yeah, there is, and I've, I've had this conversation with people who, it's usually about vaccines. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there's there's a lot more we can do these days with like computer models yeah. testing vaccines and stuff like that, but um, th- there is still a realm of um, vaccine testing that has to be uh, performed on mammals. Yeah. So that's still like a big ethical question mm-hmm. within the scientific community too, like how yeah. much they can test on animals and still mm-hmm. like call it humane or is it ever humane so i mean it also does bring up some pretty serious questions just when it comes to well we're running out of antibiotics and so any like we should be lurking on this but let's face it when we got penicillin a lot of animals probably did get tested on and there are lots of questions here but like is this a time where we're like yeah the ethics are like, do we let the human race get decimated by a super bug? Right. Because or we don't want to test? Or is it necessary? Is that like, like, is it necessary to, there are a lot of uh, scientists who say it's not necessary to test on animals. Right. Well, and I think that the question is just like, if we think it's not necessary, what is this right. like, or what does it look like? And actually have people who are ethicists discuss like the different models yeah. and then look at it and say like, these are things that are clearly not necessary or not important. And like, I think you just can't, like, yeah. you don't get to make make things of if your system doesn't work like the cosmetic thing I think is superficial enough where people are like well yes obviously we should not be testing cosmetics on animals but I don't know how many people would feel comfortable if you were given a vaccine by someone Mm -hmm. and they said this has never been tested on anything before we've run it on computer models and it seems like it's okay Uh but can we inject this in you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people would be okay with that. Right. And I think, but I think that there's like, re- like good reasons for yes, that because yeah. we've also got history of testing, of secretly testing things on people, people yeah. uh, without, Usually you know, people of color, people without, you know, without resources and people yeah. of color. So like, it's good to have standards that set these things out with yeah. those parameters. And, and yes, I think, if we are, if we had a system where suddenly we were trying to say we weren't modeling on real people or real, real creatures, uh, like people in medicine would still like shitty people in medicine would still end up doing mm-hmm. tests or testing, you know, giving the vaccines to people and then hurting them. Right. Uh, and it, they would not be people. They would not be the wealthiest. It's like how so many wealthy white like mothers don't want to give their kids Gardasil because they think that it's gonna hurt them Gardasil the HPV vaccine oh right 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 uh yeah oh Jesus get your kids vaccinated everybody stop being terrible does he seriously out right now everybody is having the weirdest goddamn day the energy in this room is off the rails sorry guys it's me <laughs> I am just on one today <laughs> two minutes before you coming over Charles being like hey the whole bath or the whole basement's flooded uh and then everything has been weird since then so guys please go to lighttreason.news smash that donate button to keep us going for as little as five dollars a month or a one-time donation also, over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, I'm going to have a bunch of bonus episodes up soon. I'm talking to uh, my friends Eric and Sally about Riverdale. I'm talking to Charles about uh, Infinity War. I'm going to talk with Meredith, I'm sure, about something. I have Did a couple suggestions. We okay. haven't. Once we're done recording, I'll we'll throw figure them out it here. out. Uh, and if you want those bonus episodes, go sign up at the five dollar month level, which means you'll also be able to send us questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. We also take recommendations or comments, anything like that. If you don't have a question, that's fine. We just want to hear from you. We love your little voices. And guys, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>